This is the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast. Get your mentor today at SCORE.org or call 1-800-634-0245. Welcome back to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast. Happy you've joined us. I'm Shalini Karnani, the Communications Manager here this month. The topic, value pricing. Yep, that's what we're talking about, pricing to maximize profitability. It is something that businesses, both new and growing, definitely have to deal with. And joining us on the podcast today, an expert in retail, wholesale, import, export, and even owned and operated two of his very own clothing companies, the one, the only, SCORE mentor, Assistant District Director of the State of Connecticut, <laughs> Mr. Mike O'Malley. Thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Shalini, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Pricing, Mike. This is something that is so, so integral for small businesses. And if they start off on the wrong foot, it could make a huge difference. What are your thoughts on determining the ideal price for product or service? And I know that's a big question, so we'll get sure. into the weeds further along. But sure. overall, what are your overall thoughts? Well, the overall thought is, uh, number one, the way it needs to be approached is as you would anything that is particularly critical in, in running a business. Because obviously for what you sell your service or product for has a way of uh, finalizing and determining your profitability, which, of course, is the reason why you went into business in the first place. So, however, there are a lot of dynamics that influence people's thinking about pricing, particularly on a startup situation or many people who are in business whose business may be lagging slightly. Their first inclination is to want to be less priced, a lower price than their competition. And uh, it seems like it would be an intuitive thing to do that people would be attracted to come to you, and many times they will on a limited basis until perhaps they find that your product is really uh, not even up to par with your competition or is is not necessarily the amount of service that a person is receiving. It's a great determinant as to whether someone continues to do business with a company, uh, whether it be a product or a service. So because of uh, of, of these very important dynamics, it's it's particularly in, uh, important for a startup, uh, particularly a startup, since they're coming to the market for the first time with pricing and it's going to kind of be setting the tone for what kind of company they're going to be running, mm-hmm. particularly in a, in a startup situation, a person wants to be thinking about service. They want to make sure that the startup company's differentiator in terms of the marketplace. Since price is just someplace that a, a, a newbie, a startup, really can't uh, necessarily compete uh, with on a day-to-day basis over a protracted period of time, because uh, obviously what the have a deterrent effect on profitability, and if it does, the possibility of being uh, that business being able to sustain itself into the future uh, becomes uh, less uh, possible, and so. What happens is then they become very distracted on their day-to-day operations because they don't have the profits to buy new product to pay to their employees or or be able to repay loans that they may have taken to start the business. And so it's not a good place to go or to turn uh, to determine what is going to be a differentiator. And so consequently, quality customer service is definitely the place to, to look first. I know you mentioned earlier on about pricing to use as a tool in order to attract additional business. Yeah, incentive pricing type of thing. Obviously, that that that's kind of a tool, and 
in every business's toolbox uh, to use uh, periodically but in a judicious way. Consideration to timing. Uh, there are sometimes, there are more logical times to use pricing and reducing your pricing in order to offer a special to attract people that wouldn't necessarily be buying your product in that particular time of the year. Uh, there are some times that it would be the worst time that you would want to reduce your prices at the time when people are looking for your product and are interested in turning to your category or service uh, at that particular point in time. So, But it's a terrific tool to use, and usually people don't have to be encouraged too much to use it. They need to be careful, however, as to when they're using it and to make sure that they're doing it in consort with their uh, their product uh, company, in consort with their suppliers, because the suppliers have the same issues as well, and there are times that they're more in- inclined to want to give you a price break and so that you're able to pass the price break on to your customers. So it's not something you can necessarily do unilaterally. It's something you want to do together with your industry so that it, it kind of makes sense. And as you look at the newspaper or watch television today or see ads online, you'll see that the, You'll generally find the same products being offered at approximately the same time of year, same time of year or season each and every season and year. Again, we're speaking to SCORE mentor Mike O'Malley. He's the Assistant District Director for the State of Connecticut and a longtime SCORE mentor. Get your mentor today. Log on, score.org slash mentors. They can help you in a whole bunch of ways. Something that you mentioned, Mike, about the suppliers. So if you are selling a product, and you have a supplier who is willing to give you a price break or underwrite maybe a promotional incentive for pricing that you're doing. Is that done commonly? Is that frequently something that that these suppliers do? And how do you go about setting up that type of situation? Well, well, certainly uh, what you try to do, obviously, is to build relationships with your suppliers, too, that encourage the communication of these activities as they occur because obviously, you know, it used to be a time where clients used to think of the suppliers as resources. Mm -hmm. Over the course of time, it's kind of diminished to a vendor or supplier, but at the end of the day, you really need to look at your suppliers as resources because we're both resources to each other. So it's really in in both best interest to kind of stay in touch and you talk about these normal periods that they are coming up and, and, and inquire as to whether they do offer some kind of a price break at a particular time of the year or some kind of a price break based on a volume purchase where you can buy your promotion earlier and then hold hold on to it for a period of time and then come out at the appropriate time at the reduced price and you will have the appropriate amount of inventory. But it really comes down to communication that that a, any any um, customer working with a supplier should should really uh, develop as close in this, uh, per, uh, relationship as they possibly can so that uh, both are in tune with what each other's goals are. And if you are, you're more apt to be in a position to take advantage of each other uh, from the supplier side to the store to the store or to the seller side or from the or vice versa so that uh, it's a partnership. Uh, obviously, you're in the same supply chain, and so it's beneficial to both to, to do these things. Speaking of relationships, when you are doing research and market research to try and sure. figure out what your pricing should be, is it okay to ask people who might be competitors or who are in the same business as you are, whether you compete directly or not? Again, if you're in an industry, even though you might be direct competitors or, or in the same business, Communication is so important, and and there's very you know simple questions of you know what do you sell something for, 
uh, or what is going on in your world that you'd like to share with me. Yeah, or yeah. maybe you're going to find commonality of, of challenges. You're going to find commonality of issues. There is a way without kind of, uh, you know, showing whether you have aces in your hand or not to show that, that what your plans are, uh, you know, for the future or how you see the future. You see your, your business holding up or improving or maybe being challenged in the near future and perhaps maybe what you're approaches to that and how you, uh, you know, tend to offset or remedy it. I find myself, and, and this is a very personal position, you really don't risk that much by communicating. There's so much more to be gained. When I was a buyer, for instance, back in those days, there were a lot of department stores, and I felt it was always in my interest to go down and talk to the buyer. of whatever. If I was buying Main 4 Sportswear, I would want to go down and hang out with the Main 4 Sportswear buyer and say, you know, how are you doing? Any hot vendors? What's going on? When are you running your, you know, your, your, your sales and so on and so forth? If they knew and had confidence in the relationship, they knew that I was going to give them back uh, an equal amount of information that would be helpful to them, then once I was established, then they saw me as an asset to them. Right. Uh, and, and like I say, the asset of a vendor or a supplier, the same thing. If someone else is in your industry, can ultimately be an asset to each other and actually help each other be more effective in their marketplace. Right. Obviously, it's it's more comfortable if someone, if I'm in in Connecticut and someone in Colorado is in the same business, they feel a little bit more comfortable telling me <laughs> what their plans are than perhaps somebody down the down the street that I'm, you know, they can see my store from where they are, but which they can in many of those instances that I refer to. But uh, to me, there's nothing replaces a good, honest uh, interchange of information that actually makes both sides, uh, you know, better off and, and makes it for a healthy business. You know, it's, it's like that old adage, uh, the only dumb question is the one that you don't ask. So Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> for sure. And many times in doing counseling, you'll find uh, the uh, client will, uh, you know, say, how do I get this information? Well, the best way, talk to someone who's in that business. You'll be surprised how people just like to help people, as long as it doesn't put them behind the, the eight ball, so to speak. But people are very anxious to share what is going on in their lives and in their businesses. That People basically like to help people, which, of course, is kind of a segue to your next commercial about SCORE, because that's what we're all about. There are good people out there who want to share information uh, that's going to help you. Get your SCORE mentor today, score.org slash mentors. This is the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast. Today we're talking about pricing to maximize profitability, value pricing, an issue that so many small businesses might struggle with when it comes to growing their small business, because pricing, if you do it right in the beginning, it can lead to a lot of success, and if you set yourself up up too low in the beginning, it could lead to some issues. We're talking to Mike O'Malley, SCORE mentor and assistant district director for the state of Connecticut. Mike, in your experience dealing with all the fabulous clients that you've helped mentor and in your experience in retail, import, export, etc., what are uh, two or three good information sources that you think a new business should research when they're developing a price strategy? I know we've talked about communicating and asking questions, but are there specific sources that you think that small businesses should uh, explore? Certainly one of the very good places to go, of course, are trade shows, where you have the coming together and usually trade shows and usually pick an industry or a group of aligned, uh, aligned industries where are you you able to then, by having an overview of a large segment of the industry, you get an idea for what 
pricing, at least uh, from a cost basis, is being charged for various things. And again, having that access again to a great number of people, both on both sides of the, of the ledger, both on the supply side and on the user user side, and also consumer side. So uh, I would say uh, certainly shows is a, just a, a wonderful place to go. Any kind of exposition or trade show. And they, they do happen on a, a somewhat regular basis. I, and I also think, again, uh, and I, I hate to sound redundant, but it really does come down to just to talking to people in the industry to find out, you know, what, what are the trends, what is happening. Having this conversation with you today uh, reminds me of, a, of a, 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 one of the pitfalls of, of pricing, which is many times uh, a person that has a product business, they will price off their cost prices, and, and this is something we discuss with our clients uh, quite a bit. I was working this morning with a person in the jewelry industry, women's jewelry, and uh, there are some industries that, that just are, are very blind, and, and, and certainly things uh, that, where they're designed and perhaps uh, made by individuals, it's almost impossible to really set a, a, an absolute price or a value price or saying if it cost X, it should sell for Y. Right. Many other commodities uh, and, and products work the same way. You look at a cost price that's not necessarily going to lead you to a retail price because a lot of people say, all right, you have a cost price, you double it, that's your selling price. Right. Okay? Right. And in a lot of industries, that, that's kind of the norm. But there are many other industries uh, and products and timing that will suspend that that says it's almost uh, uh, be wrong to use your cost price as a way of determining what you should be selling it for. There's a kind of a, a, a challenge to the product to take a look at it. And how does it stack up to what's in the marketplace? Is it truly different and, and, and unique than those things that are in the same category but are not having certain characteristics that uh, may be part of a particular uh, product that, that you're willing, uh, looking to sell. I, I remember using this quite a bit when I was on, and had my own businesses. There's a, a, a real value and then there's a, a perceived value. And as a seller, you're always looking for, that, for the perceived value, okay? Now, many times in the beginning, particularly if you're looking at some kind of a formula of doubling or, or two and a half times, you, you hear different formulas that are, are used with people when they're talking about what they should sell their product for, well, if you only stick with those, I think you're missing a lot of opportunity because there are some products that have, when, you, when they're looked at or felt or smelled or whatever a product does, has a, a perception that it's a greater value than something that, that is in that same commodity. You are able then to be able to take a markup, which would be, or increased selling price, which would be greater than what would be traditional in that particular industry. That is something that you really have to be on the lookout for and would be a determining factor in whether you should buy something or something else. If you can find something that has a perceived value to it where there's no real true value that can be determined by comparing it to something else, you know, like, for instance, one of the categories that one of my businesses was in was in T-shirts, printed T-shirts. Well, there were some prints. When you look at the print, you say, my God, that has to be more expensive than, or it's more exciting looking or more different looking than the other T-shirts. And so, therefore, oh, this one is 25. All other T-shirts are 20. You know, I think uh, regardless of whether it's higher price or not, it looks different enough. It looks like it carries a, that, that the perception of my value to that $25, so therefore I will pay for it. And so that's a very important process for anyone who is buying goods in order to sell it forward is to 
try to find that which can stand that test of being having a perception of a greater value than something else in that same category. Wow, that's a great reason to get a score mentor. I'll tell you that much because from, you know, from a layman's point of view, unless you are so so familiar with the exact product industry that you are working in, that can be a tough a tough thing to do. Actually, you know, find that value pricing and the, like you said the perceived value as opposed to the exactly. actual cost. What people think that should sell for, not necessarily using some kind of a, a formula to determine what the price should be. Yeah. But merchandising and being a merchant is, is a very touchy-feely thing. It's kind of knowing your customer and knowing what their expectations are. There are certain places that I love going, certain stores uh, that I like going. Usually they're individually owned stores yeah. uh, run by people who've run the store, you know, that have mom or papa stores that have owned it for a lot of years and have been in the whatever field they're in for like forever. They have such a feel uh, for these things. It's in, like it's built in. It's like intuitive. You know, they know when to lower their price and they know when to raise their price uh, based on their their relationship, their understanding of, of their customer and their relationship with their, their customer, not as individuals but as a group. And uh, those those things come in very handy in, in the cases of particularly in pricing. But the retail business and the wholesale business is all about is pricing. Yeah. The SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, we're speaking with SCORE mentor and assistant district director of the state of Connecticut, Mike O'Malley. Today's topic, value pricing and pricing to maximize profitability. Last month, the topic was best new business ideas. Mike, one of the things that we learned about uh, was that there's so many freelancers and individuals starting small businesses based on services that they provide. Right. When it comes to service-oriented businesses, the value of time can be really, really hard to quantify. Do you have any tips on building this into your price structure for when a small business is starting out? The service is a product, okay? And generally, in, in the service side of the ledger, what is it all about for, from a deliverable? And it, it usually converts to service, okay? It, when I say service, the customer service. Like, for instance, as a, a plumber, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's kind of what you call, I don't mean to pick up plumbers or electrician or anybody mm-hmm. in those obvious service industries, uh, where the pricing has kind of been determined by the market, and it's fairly established at that, for a particular period of time for a particular function of, of service. Um, and so uh, what is really what is really important to the client is, when you call up for a plumber or a service person, and they say, well, when are you coming? Well, we'll be there from, oh, probably 10 to 2 in the afternoon. And you say, 10 to 2 in the afternoon? That's my day. Right. I can't wait for that. And then what happens? They come at 2.30 or 9, 9.30. Right. The whole idea and that service to a great number of service people is customer service. And as simple as the thing is, do what you say you're going to do. Fulfill your agreement with the person your contract with the person with respect to when I will be there, and the call may be right before I come to make sure that you're there, and that when you finish your work, whatever it is, in, in, the, in the person's place or establishment, that you leave it as, as close to what you found it or, or improved than it did. Uh, in other words, if that's the case, then maybe you can your pricing can be a little bit more along the lines for the product that you deliver. You didn't just come in and, you know, fix a socket or a pipe or something like that, which you did, but you did it in a way that is very different in, in, in terms of the, the usual person who does that kind of work. Right. 
if you deliver the customer service to the person and you're, you're a person of your word and you live within it and you're thinking about the client and the client's well-being, it gives you an opportunity to what people say. Well, you can use John the plumber, but i got to tell you, it's going to be a little bit more expensive, but boy, he'll be there when he wanted to be there. He won't be the piece of, you know, in, in shambles. He'll do the job. And people are inclined to go along with, you know, as long as John does the job and he does it in the way that he, that he cares about me, that's the kind of person I want coming into my home and my business. Yeah. And so that gives you that opportunity to be able to perhaps charge more. Now, other service providers that may not be in similar categories as the ones that I just mentioned, it may get a little bit trickier. There may be industry norms in terms of percentages to a you know to a sale, uh, but again, it's going to be tied to the same thing again as far as dependability, reliance, and customer service is, is uh, going to be influencing the uh, ultimate price that you can charge and getting that word out. And once the word is out and that you do things better than another person that you care about the client you have that ability to be able to charge a little bit more for that. Along those same lines, I have some friends that are web designers and some that, you know, provide motion graphics and things like that. And what I've found is is that in these new industries, they're, they're kind of creating their own pricing structures. That's correct. Based on what works. For example, I was working with a motion graphics guy, and he charges more up front because he understands that there's going to be edits and revisions and things like that down the way, right. and he doesn't want to charge the client every time he does a revision, so he charges a little bit more up front. Sure. I found sure. a web designer who, instead of charging by project, just charges by week. So then that mm-hmm. way it can be an ongoing process, and you know, at the time the client says, I'm done, then they're done. But if he charges by week, he found that that was more effective than charging by project. Sure, so. sure. There's a, there's a, pricing can be, uh, without it being the lowest price, pricing itself can is a, is a way that kind of sense, sets a message about your company. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, uh, like for instance, the two, a couple of individuals that you mentioned, that gives you know, some uh, examples of how pricing can be done in different ways and how at the end of the day, if you just think about if you were going to be priced or if you were working with you, how would how would the issue of price, you know, be put forward and what would be in your best interest? And I think once you do that, you have a satisfied client, and particularly in the service business, as you and I both know, because we're in the service business, mm-hmm. it's a referral business. How do you find a plumber? You call somebody and say, do you know any good plumbers or a lawyer or an Indian chief? Anybody that's in the service <laughs> business, how do you find You ask a question. Do you right. know anybody that's in that business? And what what do the people remember? Do they remember that you were the cheapest? Maybe, but I don't think so. They re- No, you know what? When Tom called, he said he was going to be there at 10 o'clock. By George, Tom called me at 945 and said he was going to be there at 10. And he walked in at 10. And when he left... I didn't even know he was there, and whatever was wrong was fixed. That's the kind of person I think you should be calling. Mm-hmm. Pricing then becomes, you know, not the issue. I think try not to make price the issue. Try to make something else the issue, and the price will follow. Price is, is just just an element to the to the transaction, not the determining factor. That's great advice. SCORE mentor Mike O'Malley, Assistant District Director for the State of Connecticut, a huge, huge asset to so many small businesses in his very own community. When a price increase is necessary, what Uh kind of information, or should you at all, uh, share information with your customers? And if the increase is just something small, do you just do it without telling anybody? How How does that go? 
obviously, if you're in a business, uh, whether it be service or product, but generally in product again, like for instance, anything uh, we went through various periods over the years where plastic was so important uh, and became such an important, important part of uh, products as oil went from relatively low prices to the kind of price range that we're at and the journey along the way, which has been significant because the oil has gone from like $4 a barrel to 100 and some odd dollars a barrel in, a let's say, a 30-year period of time. And so it was necessary and it would have been been ill-advised for anyone who was in any products that were oil-based did not raise their prices, or they could not continue in business, but they, of course, would come forward because it was through no fault of their own, and their their, their base product was determined upon the, the price of oil. So I think you're obligated to, and to you, obligated to yourself and to the and to the marketplace to tell the people that you are raising prices, and then this is the reason why. Now, if you have a, a relatively small, you know, relatively small uh, price increase that the, the industry or your, your vendor is, is passing on through uh, for the need to increase margin for some other more complicated reason, uh, you might just want to have the item and put the item out at a higher price and, uh, again, depending upon exactly what the product is, but mm-hmm. most will accept the increase uh, without question. In some cases where you have a, a real story to tell, uh, whether it be a a weather issue, you know, in terms of uh, food, uh, mm-hmm. which is, of course, happening right now, mm-hmm. which is probably going to continue. I think the best, it's always, best advice is to kind of come clean and say this is the reason why this is going up. However, if it's a insignificant one-off uh, a particular part of a product line or something where the prices are going up because of some reason that may not necessarily be easy to identify. The best just to increase the price. Again, the Score Small Business Success Podcast. One of the other questions I wanted to make sure we got to was timing. How often should a small business review their price structure and policies? What are things that you think should be the main focus when you're actually reviewing, changing, revising your structure? It's a daily process for most businesses, uh, particularly on the consumer product side. Because you, ne- you never want to be in a position where a whole category is is being offered by a comp- competitor at a price less than you are at. Or be aware of, you know, there's so many ways to affect price today, whether it be through credit or, or not charging an interest rate over a period of time. I mean, there are so many techniques that are used that uh, other than just saying you know a gallon of milk for a dollar 87 and then I'm over here at a dollar 85 or something like that uh, but um, uh, where where there's a direct product that you can compare one thing to the other I think at the end of the day you have a could be a constant student to your industry you always have to be looking at your industry and, and whether it be the big picture uh, in terms of the industry worldwide or whether it be national or whether it be your community. You need to know what's going on. The one thing you depend upon a consumer business, it's, 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 a, it's a moving target. It's a dynamic that is always in motion. As soon as you think you know it and understand it, look out because something has probably changed and you're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. You have to constantly stay on top of it. So, of course, pricing is a very big element, 
But other things as well that emerge from time to time, uh, and, and as we know, when I say time to time today, it's time to time. It's happening much faster right. than it did when I was in, you know, in business, you know, let's say 15, 20 years ago. Profit margins are getting squeezed. You know what's happening in, you know, in, in almost every aspect of our economy. Everything is under pressure, under being looked at and examined. And that's why you got to look at what's going on in the newspapers. You got to watch what's happening on television. You got to look at the, the, the trade magazines. Uh, and, and look at what your, the guy down the street is a competitor, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it is, as soon as you take your eye off, off of all of that, you become less informed. And we all know that information is, is the key. And, and so consequently, you gotta stay on top of it. How often should you review your price structure policies? It's daily, okay? Uh, you don't do anything daily, but you keep reviewing it on a kind of a informal, as needed basis and as needed as every day in a lot of industries. Some industries are not. They move a little slower. Look what's happening now in China with the increased labor prices. Right. If you're not aware that the many factories have gone to $5 an hour in China where they were getting 50 cents, now it's $5 an hour in China. Well, if you don't stay on top of that, you keep buying this product from there, you're going to get some very significant increases in labor. As a matter of fact, the good news is that the United States uh, manufacturing uh, ability is growing. Like in North Carolina, you can find manufacturers for apparel. Well, you couldn't, five minutes ago, you couldn't find them. Right. But they're there now and they're coming back. And you know, there's a lot about competition, which we talked a lot about it today. Mm-hmm. It's customer service. You'll get the customer, the customer service is first North Carolina is a lot closer to us than China. Absolutely. Number one. And number two, these people are learning to build an industry again, so they want to satisfy you and they want to give you what you want. And in China, they got a little, you know, a little lazy. You know, they got yeah. the business cape in. They didn't have to go out and hustle for it. So things are changing on the manufacturing side. So if you have anything to do with manufacturing goods in China, be aware that there's a real movement on. And, and all of a sudden, the United States is, is going to be, in some industries, is going to be right in the thick of things on, on manufacturing side. And that is going to affect pricing again. You may have to go up in price. But you can say it's made in the United States, and I can turn and get it more rapidly, or I can make changes to the product more rapidly because I don't have to go, uh, you know, thousands of miles away to have impact on my manufacturing process. Right, right. And so, the on- that honesty is probably more appreciated than a lot of people give it credit for. I couldn't agree with you more, and people are much more aware of it today. Pricing to maximize profitability, value pricing. You're listening to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast. SCORE mentor and assistant district director for the state of Connecticut, Mike O'Malley, was here with us. Today, you know, Mike, uh, I think there's a couple things that I'm walking away with on this conversation. While being a shrewd businessman or businesswoman is is important, um, honesty and integrity are still very valuable. And it's kind of like the the old fashioned rule: the do unto others as you'd have done unto you. Uh, when you're thinking about pricing, maybe these are some things to consider. So I, I'm walking away with that in mind and making sure that you stay on top of your game. Make sure you're paying attention to what is happening all around you because that's the best way to stay competitive. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael Malley. I appreciate your time. Shalini, I'd like to say one more thing on on behalf of uh, Michael Malley. I'd just like people to know that I am available on, uh, you know, cyber counseling on the score.org. Right on the homepage, just put my name in if you want to ask a question of a counselor, and you can start uh, communicating with me online. This is the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast. Get your mentor today at SCORE.org or call 1-800-634-0245.